Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So tonight they will gather in Washington, D.C. to determine who will be the Republicans' choice for Speaker of the House. All you need to do is watch for the white smoke. Wait, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that That's for Pope. The white smoke signals that they've come up with a new Pope uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Just look for the new spending bill. That's that's how they do it in D.C. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z, TonyKatz.com. You have Steve Scalise. You have Jim Jordan. You've got the congressman from Louisiana, the House Majority Whip. You've got the congressman from Ohio heading up the Judiciary Committee. These are your choices for Speaker of the House, unless, of course, uh, you get Kevin McCarthy again. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I said unless, of course, you get Kevin McCarthy again. Because Kevin McCarthy isn't ruling it out. Kevin McCarthy is saying, well, look, if they if they can't decide on somebody, look, if you need a consensus candidate, you just got thrown out last week. Matt Gates got it done. Yeah, I know he used Democrats, but still the result is the result is the result. And now you're saying, after saying, oh, I'm not running again. Well, maybe. Oh, holy heck. That is something. What he said, uh, it was in an interview uh, where he said, look, the conference has to make that decision. I'm still a member. I'm going to continue to fight and, and act. And says, whatever the conference wants, I will do. I think we need to be strong. I think we need to be united. The eight, in my view, don't look to be. It was a personal thing. He means Matt Gates. He means Nancy Mace. By the way, McCarthy spent real money getting Nancy Mace reelected, and this is the thank you. That's just that's just rude right there. Totally rude. I don't know how it isn't Jim Jordan, but there's an argument that's being made by two representatives out of California, uh, Duarte, who I know very, very little about, and McClintock. And their argument is is that McCarthy should be reinstated as speaker in light of this war in Israel. I've been racking my brain about this. I don't understand why the situation in Israel would change who the speaker is. I don't I, I don't I don't understand how that works. If you said to me that the Republican Party is deadlocked between these two, and somehow they decided putting McCarthy back is in the best interest of the party, I don't know how you get the eight. I don't know how you get them. You don't need every single one of them, by the way. You just need 50 plus one. That's all you need. That's all you need. Remember, if if Matt Gates, Nancy Mace, and a couple others decided to vote for Hakeem Jeffries, he'd be Speaker of the House. He would be Speaker of the House. It's, it's, it's very crazy because you say, Tony, they're not going to elect a Democrat. And I agree with you. They're not until they decide to get crazy and they're going to show the Republican Party who's in charge. 
I've seen crazier things. Okay, all right, I've never seen anything that crazy. But I believe that these people are capable of crazier things. How about that? I'll leave it at that. I don't know why it wouldn't be Scalise or Jordan. I don't know why McCarthy gets into the picture or how. What has to happen? I've been going through this on every angle. I can't see it. I cannot see how they get to a place where McCarthy is the answer. So is this, again, I don't even know how what's happening in Israel leads to this moment. Now, as far as I know, Trump was going to show up. Trump was going to show up to the conference, and then he put uh, his endorsement behind Jim Jordan. So it won't be uh, Donald Trump. And by the way, if it had been Donald Trump, I would have been like, okay, I'm through here. Thank you. Don't get me wrong. World-class radio. Content for forever and a day. And and as the saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Whoo. I don't think I need that much content. I don't think I need that much in my life. But it won't be him. But I don't understand why it would be Kevin McCarthy either. And 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 for the record, I'm fine with it. I am fine with it. I am fine with McCarthy as speaker as I was before. I would not have removed him. I don't think there's any win. I don't think anything has been gained. The question I got asked is, Tony, if Jim Jordan's speaker, wouldn't you say it was worth it? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea whether Jim Jordan can fundraise. A speaker does a lot of that. I don't know if Jim Jordan can organize this house. I do not know if Jim Jordan is going to engage funding for Ukraine. Remember, funding for Ukraine is a big deal. Right now, is it a big deal? Now, this is where it gets interesting. If funding for Ukraine was the litmus test under which Republicans decided that's whether or not you're a real conservative, whether or not you want to spend money in Ukraine, <laughs> nonsense talking point. I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I, I think. I think that's pretty silly. Now, with what's going on in Israel, does it change the calculation of the money? Is border funding going to be tied to this or not tied to this? Can we recognize that the U.S. border? comes first and when we take a look at israel well how many of those same terrorists have crossed over our border i know people are talking about this you know they're not wrong they're 1000 percent correct if hamas can engage this level of of attack possibly getting the money through the the selling and 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 moving of bitcoin and cryptocurrency If they say this is just the beginning of the attacks, why wouldn't we think, as we have seen nothing but grown men, grown single men coming into the United States and stupidly, and I mean the word in this case, stupidly we allow them into the country. Remember, you heard it here first, and we've been saying it together for years. I wouldn't allow single grown men into the country. What, are you out of your mind? You're crazy. Chinese nationals, grown men by themselves, I wouldn't allow them into the country. Goodbye, you go back. From Colombia, goodbye, you go back. From Nicaragua, goodbye, you go back. Venezuela, goodbye, you go back. Single men on their own don't get to come into the country. They don't. That's a non-starter. You're begging for a problem. And if the single men are here who have the strength and the ability to fight back, those countries never get better. Never, ever, ever get better. 
it's one of the moments where you realize there's a difference between men and women. Just is. It doesn't matter what your gender studies professor was screaming at you while they were burning a bra or a flag or Lord only knows what it is gender studies professors burn these days. Uh, they don't really care about the, the planet when they're burning that stuff, do they? Uh, they? Don't ever confront them with that. Their heads will explode. But the border is porous. The border is unsafe, and we all know it. Who has come across the border? Who has come across the border to do damage in the United States? Who has come across the border to engage in acts of terrorism in the United States? What city is going to be hit? What sporting event is going to be hit? What synagogue or church or mosque is going to be hit? What school is going to be hit? What? I'm the only one thinking this. You know that's not true. I know that's not true. We know that's not true. You're thinking it too. Because, well, that's a rational thought. It is a rational thought when you see this level of attack and this level of savagery. They burned the babies alive. They set them on fire. They beheaded babies. They shot families, entire families in their house. I think uh, one Israeli general referred to this as ISIS-level savagery. Yeah, that's accurate. It was savagery. This, this is a terrorist organization. What, what else could possibly be said about them? And yes, they have to go. It is us or them. It is us, the free and thinking people of the world, or it's them. But what does any of this have to do with electing a speaker? I don't know. I don't get it. I'm not sure why this comes up. I have read this everywhere. Some centrist Republicans, where did this come from? This was Market Watch. Some centrist Republicans are calling to restore McCarthy as speaker after the attacks on Israel, expressing concerns that the House remains paralyzed without a new speaker and worried that they won't be able to agree on a new candidate quickly. Wait, if, if you have two candidates, um, you really think it's going to take 15 votes to figure this one out? 15 votes to decide between Scalise and Jordan? Deals get made. Someone's going to put themselves in a power play that somehow Jim Jordan just isn't the guy. No, 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 Steve Scalise can't be the guy. I know I'm the only holdout vote, and I'm the most important one, but it can't be Steve Scalise because he followed McCarthy. Well, it can't be Jim Jordan because, you know, he doesn't wear a suit jacket. What is the argument here? This seems, this seems like much ado about nothing. Except every time I think of something like that, someone's like, oh, Tony, you have not thought around the corner. I'm trying to think around the corner on this one. I do this for a living. I don't see it. I don't see why Kevin McCarthy would be back. And I'm not even opposed to it. But they will meet tonight. And they will sit there uh, and they will have themselves, I don't know, an O'Doul's. I guess they, I, do they drink non-alcoholic beer? Well, some of them do. And others will drink a bourbon and say things like bully. And, uh, and, then, they'll, and then they'll decide on somebody. And uh, they'll say, okay, let's go to a vote. I don't think it'll be a first vote. Let's go with, let's go with six. You want to place the over-under at six? I might feel differently tomorrow. But that's, that's where I'm at today. Find everything at TonyCats.com. I'm Tony Katz. Be right back. So if we learned anything yesterday, we learned that the White House is not capable of leadership. 
And those people who work within this administration are children. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. They called the lid at 11.52. Now, what is a lid? A lid is a way of saying, hey, no more comment from the White House today. No more statements from the White House today. Nothing else on the schedule today. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Yesterday, the war is just starting to rage in Israel. We're just learning the extent of the horror. We learned that 11 Americans are dead, and the White House said, done for the day, gone fishing. There's no leadership. How about the fact that Anthony Blinken deleted a tweet that he put out there about asking for a truce? It was the uh, Turks who had put out that they were trying to negotiate a peace and, uh, and what we needed was a ceasefire. And then Blinken puts that out there. Blinken's post said Turkish Foreign Minister Akan Fidan, uh, H-A-K-A-N-F-I-D-A-N, and I spoke further on Hamas's terrorist attacks on Israel. I encourage Turkey's advocacy for a ceasefire and the release of all hostages held by Hamas immediately. Cease fire. Israel gets violently attacked. 900 people have been killed. Cease fire? This statistic is kind of amazing, and and I'm going with the number for sure. Based on population, if you compare percentages, you have 900 people dead in Israel. But this number, I think, was come up uh, with when it was seven or 800, and you know it's going over 1,000, and everybody does. Uh, I believe in Iran or in the, within Palestine, they drew uh, a cartoon of a guy uh, smiling and holding a balloon that says 1K because they're very proud that they've killed 1,000 people. They're proud of who they kill. Just if you want to understand the total lack of humanity coming from a terrorist organization, the murders of Hamas. If you compare it population to population, percentage to percentage, the terrorist attack in Israel, which killed 800, we'll call it, is equivalent to if we had a terrorist attack in the United States and 24,660 people were killed. What would you say at that moment? Cease fire. I think it was uh, Hamas who said, well, we're willing to talk about a truce now that we've uh, obtained our objectives. I'm sure you are willing to talk about a truce. I'm pretty sure Israel is talking about dancing on your head. And for the people who have been you know, asking, my gosh, how do you, how do you get Hamas out of there? Uh, door by door. Door by door, and none of it is easy. You're dealing with terrorists. You're dealing with liars and frauds. These are not men. These are not men of strength or conviction or decency. Men don't use children as human shields. That's not the way it works. That's not how any of this works. Men protect children. Hamas uses children to protect themselves putting their, uh, their, their weapons and putting their headquarters amongst the population. So if there's an attack, innocent people die, and then it's pearl clutching. Look at all the innocent lives that are gone. If Hamas gave a damn about innocent lives, they would just stop. But they don't care about innocent lives. They don't care about the innocent lives of the so-called Palestinians. They don't care about the innocent lives of Israelis. They don't care. But calling for a ceasefire... 
That's not leadership. That's insane. And he deleted it. He had to delete it. This weak, weak coward. Representative Ocasio-Cortez pushed for a ceasefire. Today is devastating for all those seeking a lasting peace and respect for human rights in Israel and Palestine. There's no Palestine, by the way, just so we're clear. I condemn Hamas's attack in the strongest terms possible. At least she, different than Ilhan Omar, different than Rashida Tlaib, different than Andre Carson, she at least condemned Hamas. No child and family should ever endure this kind of violence and fear. And this violence will not solve the ongoing oppression and occupation in the region. Well, let you know where that socialist is. And then she finished up with an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation is needed urgently to save lives. Representative Ocasio-Cortez is an awful person and a bigot. A ceasefire. Israel shouldn't defend itself. Take the losses and now learn to understand why Hamas has got the sads. They're a terrorist organization that wants Jews dead. You bigot, Representative Ocasio-Cortez. What New Yorker is voting for her? I've already said this about Congressman Andre Carson in Indianapolis. What New Yorker is voting for this person? This is the Bronx? Bull crap. That isn't the Bronx I heard about growing up. The Bronx wouldn't put up with this nonsense, with this garbage, with this child, this ignoramus. By the way, you'll note uh, that I'm no longer discussing policy conversations. I'm talking Representative Ocasio-Cortez as a person because I usually avoid her as a person. I don't know her as a person. I get into the policy, but this is about her as a person. And as a person, she's despicable and disgusting. She isn't a role model for women. She's a commie pinko loser. And anybody who votes for her is a schmuck. The idea, you know, it's the idea of turning another cheek or turning the other cheek. Um, I I guess we would have to argue that that's not always the thing you do. Sometimes you have to respond because sometimes it has to end. And what I am hoping is that this is the start worldwide of saying, you know what? This has to be done with. Hamas has to be done with. These terrorists have to be done with. What I am also hoping is that there's a recognition in the United States that we need adults in the room. We can't have this weak leadership we can't have this garbage where the president of the united states says okay it's 11:52 in the morning i've got nothing else to say while a war is waging with an ally 11 americans are dead he puts out a press release he didn't make a statement he put out a press release and i have got the secretary of state and members of congress saying israel should not should not retaliate so brave, so bold of those Americans nowhere near the horror. We need real leadership. We need real adults in the room who understand that what is at stake here is civilization. And this is no time for children. This is the time for adults. This is Tony Katz today.
more that we see coming out of Israel, the more that we see what Hamas has really done here, uh, the calling of Hamas the same as ISIS and treating them the same as ISIS seems very apropos. Uh, the latest stories of today involving finding babies beheaded. Not just one. Multiples. Children burned alive. Whole families gunned down in their their homes. This attack on Israel, which will get to over a 1,000 people dead in Israel alone. The biggest thing that has happened in Israel in 50 years as a comparison piece, if you were to take the amount of dead based on Israel's population and extrapolate that out to the United States, it would be 24,600 people dead in one day. The question that remains is how is it possible with all of Israel's advanced abilities and capabilities, never mind that of the United States, how did they not know this was coming? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, always good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Glenn Reynolds joins me right now. He is Instapundit. If you've ever been to Instapundit.com, he is the guy, also law professor at University of Tennessee. His piece over at the New York Post, Israel's intelligence failure is a warning for America's politicized agencies. It is more than just saying the, the, the failure of Israel to notice. I mean, how is that possible? He is breaking down what is happening right here in the United States when the agencies, all the alphabets, seem to do things outside of the scope of their job. So, Glenn, uh, good to have you here. What is it that, that you noticed, you saw, uh, in, in this conversation uh, regarding what has happened with Israel and your, your belief that this was the uh, Israeli defense agencies uh, or, or intelligence agencies not paying attention. And I guess as the follow-up is, is this what you're seeing in the U.S.? Sure. Well, it's like Americans are used to thinking of the Israeli intelligence agencies as super competent, uh, and they have a pretty good track record, uh, and they get good press. Uh, we have the Mossad, which is kind of their equivalent of the CIA, and we have Shinbad is kind of their equivalent of the FBI. Um, and, you know, Gaza is literally right next door. We assume they have a lot of spies in there, and they're looking for stuff. Uh, so it's very shocking that such a massive military operation uh, happened, and they were completely caught flat-footed. Uh, it'll probably turn out when they look that, in fact, there were signs and things reported and noticed, but that nobody put them all together. Uh, to figure out what was actually happening. Uh, I have read, I, actually in my column, I speculated on this, and I've now since read that uh, one thing that Hamas did was that they didn't use electronic communications. They met in person, they used couriers, you know, everything but carrier pigeons, and I can't rule those out, uh, to avoid being hoovered up by all the electronic surveillance stuff that the United States and Israel have. Uh, but it's also the case that we've seen something very different in the Israeli intelligence community in the last two years and something unfortunately kind of familiar, which is it's become quite politicized. Uh, the institutions of the Israeli government, like the institutions of most governments, so lean left to a substantial degree. Uh, a lot of the people running, um, that's certainly true of the head of the Mossad, by the way, uh, and the people running them really don't like Bibi Netanyahu. And particularly over the last year or so, when they should have been noticing all this stuff, uh, they were violating Israeli law by organizing protests against Netanyahu and his plan for judicial reform. No. And I just think they were probably distracted. I think that, you know, when you're planning protests 
uh, against the idea that Supreme Court justices should be democratically chosen instead of having the Supreme Court choose itself, uh, which is how it worked there. Uh, I think you're just you're not doing your job. And, and we see that in a lot of agencies in the United States. And most of them have done really bad jobs. The CDC got politicized. and just- You could talk about Andrew McCabe uh, and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, these people who are working well outside uh, their authority. But I want to get back to this Mossad thing really quick. Mossad was working to try and influence the conversation in Israel about judicial reforms? Yes. Yes. They were doing it how? Like, what was, what was the methodology? Um, they were organizing protests. They were sending people out to help the various lefty groups get organized and do stuff. Um, exactly how they did it and uh, to what extent they used serious intelligence assets that they might normally use to stir up a protest crowd in an Arab country that they're opposed to. Or something. I don't know. Uh, but they uh, unquestionably were spending a significant amount of time and effort Uh, supporting these protests, which is in violation of Israeli law. Like our CIA, they're not supposed to do anything domestically. And this is what you write about in the New York Post, where we have these alphabet agencies, at least in the United States alphabet agencies, who engage in what you refer to as mission creep. And and you mentioned specifically uh, the CDC and, and, and some of the things they've done in terms of of expanding their mission. I want to hear from you, Glenn Reynolds, about what else it is that you're seeing. Well, of course, we see the FBI, which is our primary domestic counter-terror organization. Uh, what are they doing? Are they are they looking for Hamas agents? Uh, not as far as we know. What we, you know, we do know what they're doing in some sense. They, they're infiltrating traditional Catholic congregations. Uh, they're, um, you know, they, they had huge numbers of undercover people at the January 6th protest. For all we know, they had a majority of the people there. Uh, they won't say how many, and they act embarrassed when it comes up. Uh, you know, they are arresting pro-lifers and, uh, you know, designating parents who complain at school board meetings uh, about trans policies as uh, domestic terrorists. So that's where their emphasis appears to have been over the last few years. And that's despite the fact that we've had uh, at least according to some estimates, I've seen 5 million men of military age cross our border unaccounted for over the last few years. Uh, how many of them are Hamas or some other kind of terrorist? Uh, probably a pretty small fraction, but you know, a small fraction of 5 million is a lot of people. And this is where the real concern is, is that we have these agencies that want to focus on everything else. They think everything is in their purview. They have to make some kind of statements, political and otherwise. And then there's the other side of the coin, Glenn, where they won't engage in a political statement because they fear being called bigoted or hateful uh, or or racist, etc. And therefore they won't talk about something that is clearly an issue. Well, I think it's some of both. I mean, I think you know one of the big concerns people is we have a hard job. It's human nature to look for some easy jobs. You know, I'm that way. When, I, when it's time for me to do some major chore around the house, suddenly I start tidying things up and fixing little things and finding little jobs to do to keep me busy that aren't nearly as hard as whatever I am putting off. Uh, you saw that with the CDC. It was created to deal with the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, pandemic preparation is a little boring when there's not an actual pandemic and they like to have stuff to put in their press releases and keep busy. So they started looking at everything from playground safety to cigarette smoking to guns as a public health problem and so on. Uh, and when it came time to deal with an actual pandemic, you know, that, that was you know, like they say, you had one job. That was their job. They were terrible. 
they did an awful job from the very beginning. They screwed up the testing. They screwed up the precautions. They're, they lied. Their whole response was a disgrace. Uh, and I can't help but think that some of it is just that they were busy doing things other than their job for so long. Um, but it's also true, you know, the worst thing you can be in the U.S. government right now is is some kind of a racist. Uh, I, well, I guess maybe transphobe is worse nowadays, but it, it's right up there. And just as we saw, you know, the, the British police knew about the Rotherham sex abuse thing. And because it was being done by Pakistani Muslims, they didn't bust it because they were afraid of being called racist. And that, that's that's documented. There are memos to that effect uh, and people who, who testified it about it. So I think there's some of that here. I think people feel that in this administration, if you're worried about Arab terrorists, um, you're going to be uh, marked as politically unreliable. So I think that it's it's a lower priority. But one would think that after seeing what you've seen in, in Israel, I talked about they found babies burned alive, that maybe it kind of resets the internal clock. Well, forget the political. I got to do my job here. Or do they, I think, that the political is their job? I mean, I certainly hope that there are people at the FBI and elsewhere saying, hmm, you know, one of the worst mass shootings we had in the United States was actually Muslim terrorists who, who came in uh, across the borders. And that was only one couple, two people who did it. Uh, maybe we should be worried about people coming over by the thousands. And uh, maybe we should be focusing our intelligence gathering uh, that way instead of uh, spying on what's going on in traditional Catholic congregations. Now, of course, it's much safer to infiltrate a Catholic congregation than it is to infiltrate uh, a terror cell. So you, know, you can see why they prefer that work. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, I, I hope they're thinking that, but the question is, have they shown a great capacity to learn? And the answer to that, I think, is it's not obvious. Well, let's talk about that learning. Talking to Glenn Reynolds, instapundit.com, law professor at the University of Tennessee, his piece, over at the New York Post, Israel's intelligence failures is a warning for America's politicized agencies. This was John Kirby, spokesman there within the Biden administration uh, on uh, CNN. Listen to this. Our Israeli counterparts just a day or so ago said the same thing that we're saying. Yes. We haven't seen any direct evidence that Iran participated in these particular attacks. Now, we do know, of course, there's a degree of complicity here, Poppy, because mm -hmm. they've been supporting Hamas for years. Tools, training, resourcing, uh, certainly rhetorical support in just the last 24 hours. But but no specific evidence that they were participating in this, so, resourcing this, planning these series of attacks. The Wall Street Journal reported that Iran helped in the planning. Hamas stated that Iran helped in the planning. What the hell kind of statement is this? Well, the problem is they really don't want to do anything about this. And if you admit that Iran took part in this, was behind it, there's a lot of pressure to do something. Uh, this administration has, for reasons that I suspect are actually pretty corrupt uh, and are certainly idiotic at best, uh, has pursued a, a bunch of deals with Iran, which all look like terrible deals for us, even if they happen. And they've been willing to give the Iranians literally uh, pallet loads of cash and all kinds of other goodies to try to get these. So to admit now that, that Iran is behind this horrific, uh, not just mass murder, but as you say, uh, mutilation, decapitation, torture uh, on citizens of an ally with a lot of relatives in the United States, I should add, uh, is really unwelcome for them. And they're going to do everything they can to not have to respond to it. Glenn Reynolds is his name. You find his work 
over at instapundent.com, a professor of law at the University of Tennessee. And I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us, Glenn. And that piece is over there at uh, the, the New York Post. And, and the reason that I wanted to engage, and, and certainly my respect for Glenn Reynolds is, is incredibly high, is that we've had this conversation You've had it in your own life and 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 we've had it uh in 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 multiple places where we see that the agency class in the United States is not actually focused on what it is the agency is supposed to be doing. Rather they're focused on everything else. If the CDC can then tell us that well guns are a threat to uh, national security and safety and so we have to do something about guns via the Centers for Disease Control, you realize that they believe they can do anything. And what we've created in the United States is this completely unaccountable group, this fourth branch of government, the agency class that isn't responsible to us, that isn't accountable to us. They have a budget that is near unlimited. They say something that has the full effect of law. It is a complete bypassing of Congress. Now, in a, in, a, in a standard world, in a normal world, in a thinking world, what you would have is rules and regulations, thoughts and philosophies that actually make things better. But if, as Glenn points out in this piece that you can find over there at the New York Post, if we're engaged in mission creep, how does one focus on what the mission is? And if we're talking about the very critical things about safety and security, but instead, the FBI wants to go about surveilling Trump supporters for 2024, or as Glenn points out, going after churches, then how could you possibly keep an eye on the person who wants to set the church on fire? We hear about this in, in, its most, in, in the most immediate way of what value is the terror watch list when we see somebody commit an act of terrorism who was on the terror watch list? And the answer is there is no purpose to it. Who watches the watch list and what happens to these people when something happens? No FBI member gets fired. No, no one on this organization gets fired or in this agency gets fired. No one ever loses their job for it. No one ever suffers the consequences of their failure. But somehow we're supposed to be rest assured or, 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 or feel secure because a watch list exists. We can only feel secure if the job is done. How Israel didn't do their job is beyond understanding. And if it's this idea of Mossad focused on these judicial reforms as opposed to the enemy, that's a whole nother conversation. Was Israel complacent? Ah, we've got a fence and we've got an iron dome. We're fine. No, the enemy doesn't think that. You get lulled into it. The enemy still hates you. This is a huge warning for the United States. We should be very focused on it. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. <laughs> Now, you know, and I know that speaking out as I have regarding ISNA, the Islamic Society of North America, based in Plainfield, Indiana, not too far from where I live, that is considered by many as a dangerous play. And I want it known for the record that I thought, as, as I've discussed very long and hard about how I wanted to handle this conversation, where they put out a statement about the attack from terrorist group Hamas in Israel, and they never mentioned Hamas, and they never mentioned terrorism. They call Israel an occupier. They call uh, Israeli government an apartheid system. All of these things. 
but they never once, never once discuss Hamas as the problem for the quote-unquote Palestinian people. It's only about Israel. It is, it is obscene. And as I, I stated, and I'll say again, it, there must be for those groups who really thought, that, you know, oh, look at us, we're different religions and we're working together. Maybe not. Maybe you weren't ever actually working together. If you can't, if someone who is Muslim can't recognize that Hamas is a terrorist organization, that the burning alive of babies is obscene, I didn't say you liked every Israeli law or policy. That's not my argument or or an Israeli directive. But you don't understand that Hamas is a terrorist organization. You're not willing to say so. You see what you saw and you still say Israel's to blame. This is not a friend. As a matter of fact, one has to ask, what is this group? Maybe you, someone else, requires a second look, like CARE, the Council of American Islamic Relations. It is not my fault that they will not condemn Hamas. Like Andre Carson, the congressman from Indianapolis, will not condemn Hamas. Like Ilhan Omar has not, and, 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 and others. Rashida Tlaib. It is for us to notice what it is that's being said and ask ourselves, does it work for us? And the answer is no. Isna has failed uh, a basic test of humanity here. And I don't know what the consequences of that will be. But I knew I couldn't stay quiet about this, regardless of the potential consequences. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care. Take care.